For just a moment, let us listen to the words again. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. My fellow Americans, it falls to us to keep faith with all the great Americans of our past. The things that unite us, these things far outweigh what little divides us. That Jew and Gentile, we are one nation under God. The black and white, we are one nation indivisible. That Republican and Democrat, we are all Americans. With heart and hand, through whatever trial and travail, we pledge ourselves to each other and to the cause of human freedom, a cause that has given light to this land and hope to the world. Who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be here? Can we just give Jesus praise? Yeah. Hey, I'm so thankful that you are here, that you, you came on the 4th of July weekend. It's an Independence Day weekend for us, and uh, I know a lot of people are celebrating away, maybe at the mountains or the lake or the beach or wherever you are. A lot of people watching online today, and so we want to welcome you as well. Come on, Cedar Realm Campus. Let's just welcome everybody who's on the other side of those cameras today. We love you thankful for you. I hear testimonies pretty often about people who are watching while they're, while they're away, and so I love, I'm just thankful for the miracle of technology that we were able to do that. And so uh, before we get into the message, uh, I love to point the way, clear the path, kind of just show you where we're headed over the next few weeks. And I want to I tell you that um, two weeks from yesterday, we're gearing up for, okay, that's the end of the slideshow. We're going to get back to the beginning of the slideshow in a second, and um, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go over, is it, um, scroll up. Y'all know we use PowerPoint? Did y'all know that? Look at that. And then I'm come up, come over here, and I think it's that one. Boom! Booyah! I did it! All right, so... Uh, so serve day is coming up July the 16th. It's just two weeks from yesterday. And uh, the reason we have been talking about this for weeks is because 
I mean, we, we serve our city and our community on a regular basis, but this is, uh, you know, every month we're doing first Saturday serve, we're making a difference, we're, we're seeing lives change, but this is one of those days where we want as many people as possible to put on that red shirt, to go out, to use their gifts, use their passions, and I'm telling you that you will never be more fulfilled. You will walk away from that day putting a hard day's labor in, and it's gonna, it, it, you're going to think, man, I am exhausted, but man, I feel so good about what I was able to do to help somebody else today. And there's something about that when we serve other people, it does something for us. Amen? And so you can go to the website there to, to, to uh, cityhopefamily.com slash serve, download the Serve Day app. And then I think also in your worship guide, there's an insert telling you a little bit of uh, some of the projects that are available as well. But then one of my favorite seasons of the year is 21 Days of Prayer. And if you don't know about 21 Days of Prayer, you need to know, okay? You need to know about it. Uh, we do it twice a year. We do it in January, and we do it in August. For 21 days, we take time to pray. In, in January, we do what's called prayer and fasting. And in August, we do what's called prayer and feasting. Come on, somebody. We, we, we don't fast in August. We eat in August. So, um, so the, what's interesting about this is this season of prayer that we're coming into is preparing us for a spiritual harvest in the fall. I don't know what it is, but every, every fall, every September and October, November, we see people come to know Jesus like never before. And so we just want to press into that and pray into that. And the way it works is we meet here in this auditorium every weekday morning at 6 a.m. And, and then again on Saturdays at 9 a.m., and you may think, man, ain't nobody getting up at, at that early for prayer. But over 100 people show up here every single morning for prayer during that 21 days of prayer. So get ready. I'm just telling you, it, it will change your life, okay? All right, so we're in this series, Running with the Giants. And I, I, I'm loving this series, by the way. I, I'm loving it because we're, di we're digging in deep. We're getting into some deep scripture. We're, we're kind of going verse by verse but how many of you have been encouraged through this series so far, too? It's just been encouraging for us. We're, we're kind of drawing closer to the Lord here. And, and um, I, love, I love this series. We're studying giants of the faith and how they did what they did, how they got to where we're trying to get to. And our theme verse for this is uh, Hebrews 12.1. So it comes after Hebrews 11, right? Thank you, Captain Obvious. We appreciate you pointing that out. But I, I, I say that because if you don't read Hebrews 11, you will never know what these giants of the faith did. You need to go read it. And, and the writer here says, because we're surrounded by these great witnesses, this great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about the giants of the faith who, who are in heaven now. They've gone on before us. He says, we need to learn how to throw off everything that hinders us. How many of you know there's some things that can hinder you in life? Y'all ever experienced that before? Like just some, something so simple can hinder you. And, and there's also some sin that can entangle us. He says we need, to, we, need, we need to get free of those things and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And perseverance is a key word here because I think a lot of times in life we, will, we, we would assume, we would look at these giants of the faith and we would go, well, of course they did great things for God. Look at them. They're giants of the faith. But we forget that they went through some very difficult times. We forget they went through some challenges, some obstacles. They had some bad days. You ever had a bad day? Yeah. I mean, you ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Those happen even in Australia. So I've been told, right? Uh, so so you gotta, we got to learn to run with perseverance 
And, and we could look at these giants of the faith and go, man, they, they never had any problems. But they did. They overcame some things. And that's why they're now giants of the faith, everybody. They overcame some things. They dealt with some things. They, they had some challenges and obstacles. And so um, over the last few weeks, we've, um, we've talked about a lot of different giants. And what we're doing in this series is we're, we're trying to imagine if these giants of the faith could come down out of heaven, kind of come to earth and walk a lap around the track of life with us, what would they want us to know? After, after they've been through what they've been through, they've persevered, what would they tell us about this? How would they tell us to persevere? And so we've talked about Peter, Jacob, Joseph, Elisha, and today it's our first female giant of the series, Esther. All right, Esther. Come on. How many of you love the story of Esther? Yeah, man, I love it. The rest of you need to go home and read it today. You will, you will love it. I'm telling you, uh, if you don't know the story, if, maybe if it's been a while since you've read it, it's between Nehemiah and Job in the, in the Old Testament. Esther's story is incredible. There's, there, there, it's just an incredible story. So we're going to jump into that. And here's the thing about Esther. Like the other giants of the faith, she didn't think things didn't start great for her. She actually began her life living in obscurity. And I want to show it to you in Esther chapter 2. It says that now, now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa. This is modern day Iraq, Babylon here. His name was Mordecai. All right? And we're reading this out of the message paraphrase. So it's just a kind of a, a story version, a good paraphrase of the scripture. It says that his ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles. So more than likely, Mordecai and Esther were born into um, this, this Babylonian culture. They were not exiled themselves, but their family was exiled. And, and they were carried off with King Jehoiakim of Judah by the king, of, uh, king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. So in other words, they're living in a culture that they don't really want to live in. They're living in a land far from home, a place that they don't want to be. Have you ever been somewhere that you really didn't want to be? You ever, you ever been doing something with your life that you really just didn't want to do, but it, it's what you had to do, right? And so this is them. They're living far from home in a culture that they don't want to be in. And Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah. He, he, he raised her. Her name was Esther. She was known as Esther. She had no father or mother. So she's starting off in a country far from home, living by standards and cultures that she doesn't want anything to do with without her parents. Y'all know that would be difficult, right? Mother and father are both gone. And it says that the one thing she had going for her was that she had a good figure and a beautiful face. That's what it says. She was pretty. She was a pretty girl. And after her parents died, Mordecai adopted her. Now, the point of this story is not that Esther was, was beautiful, but God used her beauty in a really neat way. And I want to show this to you in Scripture. It's not the point of the story, but you need to know it does matter to the story, okay? Here's why it matters. Because the previous queen, all right, you have Queen Xerxes, Zer his, his queen Vashti, had offended him and, and told him no in front of a bunch of people. What happened was um, he was throwing a big party. The king was, man, he was, 
He was doing his thing through this big party, invited all of these dignitaries, even from other countries. And then he told Vashti, he says, I want, I want to parade you around in front of all these other guests of mine. And, and he's, he's a little tipsy, had too much to drink, and maybe he's crossing the line a little bit. And she says, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. Some people believe that maybe she was pregnant, didn't want to be seen by other guests. And so... There's a reason she says no, and it offends him and offends all of his advisors. And they said, man, King, you've got to do something about this, because if we don't do something, all the women are going to rise up against us, which is crazy, right? But so he does something about it, and he banishes her from his presence, never to, be, never to see her or be seen by her again. She gone, right? That's what he did. He banishes her. And here's the thing about the Medo-Persian law is that once a law is put into place, it can't be changed. It's, it's finished. So even if he changes his mind after he banished her, it can't, be, it can't be changed. The only thing that can be done is he can create a new law that somehow counters the law that he had written. But there's no way he can get Queen Vashti back. So what he does is he and his advisors, they come up with this plan that... Well, since you can't get Vashti back, he was, he was feeling a little bit bad about it, came to his senses, realized he was a jerk. Come on, he, was, he had acted foolish. And all the ladies said, yeah, yeah, man, right. <laughs> yeah, he comes to his senses. He wants her back, can't get her back. So they come up with this plan that they're going to just go get him a new queen, right? You don't like your old queen? Just go get you a new queen. That's not how it works, right? It's not, it's not a good way to do things. But that's what happens here. It's their culture of the day. And so they, they set out to find the next queen of the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, um, what happens is they go find all of these different ladies and they bring them to a, a house of women, a, a harem. And it's a house close to the palace where all of these women come to live. And essentially what happens is they're all entered into a gigantic beauty pageant. And the one that wins gets to be the queen. Simple as that. At which, which sounds like, oh man, I'd love to do that, but I don't, I don't know. Like when you think about it for a second, Esther becomes one of the finalists. But think about what, what is she thinking in this moment? I try to put myself in her shoes. What, what would I feel if this was my life? Uh, I think I'd be struggling with purpose. Is this really what my life is? I'm just an object to somebody? I'm just, I'm just like, I don't have a say in this. This is just what I, I have to do because somebody else thinks that I, you know, I look a certain way. And, and, and maybe, maybe just maybe, like some of you in the room today, maybe, maybe her self-worth was, was defining or tied to her self-image. I'm going to say that again. Maybe her self-worth was defined by her self-image. Maybe she felt like she had, this, she had to keep this certain look in order to appease everybody and to, and to really, she, maybe she found value in what she looked like. I just want to say to all of the young ladies today in the room today, I'm going to preach, I'm going to be your pastor for just a moment, but I want you to know that you are, you are more than an Instagram post. Come on, somebody. You are more than a late night snap. You're more than what some boy says about you. Come on. Hey, your value isn't determined by what you do. It is determined by what God says about you. Come on. That's a place where we ought to give, give God some praise. That, man, it's not tied to the way we look. And you ladies, I want you to know today, young ladies especially, your value is not determined by what, what happens on social media. 
It is determined by what God says about you. And, and I want to speak to the whole room today, everybody watching online, prophetically say to you that your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. There is a destiny for you. There are greater days ahead of you. You may feel like you've wasted some time. You may feel like you've wasted some days, but God says your best days are still ahead. I believe it. I believe that for you. And so I, I, I want to I show you what I think Esther would say. If Esther could come out of the, the stands and she could, she could tell us anything, I think she would say, when you are uncertain about your purpose... God has a place for you. When you're uncertain about where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing with your life, what's going on, God has a place. There's something he has in store for you. And so today, uh, if you've got your notes, I've, there's, there's some fill in the blanks. I want you to follow along with me. And I'm going to give you four, four things that, that I think finding our place requires. Okay? And the first one is this. If we're going to find our place... Number one, it's going to require patience. And that, so you could either, at that point, you could either say amen or oh me. Because it's really, it's like, oh man, patience. Really, patience is going to require patience. It's going to require us may, maybe uh, waiting a little bit. Let me say it this way. More often than not, things are going to move slower than you want them to. Pastor Ben, you're supposed to be positive. I'm positive you're going to need patience. I'm positive you're going to, you're going to need to just slow it down just a little bit. See, there's, there's going to be moments of uncertainty, moments of ambiguity, moments when, when you're like, what is going on? There's going to be moments when things aren't moving at the speed of which you would like. They're not moving as fast as you'd like. But how many of you know that's where faith and trust are developed? That's, that's, where, that's where you grow in your walk with God. And... and uh, and so I, th I think about Esther here. She's, she's a young girl. We don't know how old she is here, but she's a, a young woman. And she's put into this harem. Hey, you, you, might be the king, you might be the king's wife. You might be the queen one day. Maybe. You might be. And here's what they did. You had to go through 12 months of beauty treatments before you could ever be seen by the king. So we know she's at least in here for a year maybe even up to three and a half years before she's ever seen by the king. And, and, um, and, and here's the thing. If the king didn't enjoy himself around her, like if he didn't enjoy her company, she would be sent back to the harem where she would live for the rest of her life and never see the king again unless he calls for her by name. God, what am I doing here? What's the purpose of this? I, I have no life outside of this. I don't even, I don't even know if the king's going to like me. I have no idea what's going to happen with my life. A lot of waiting, a lot of ambiguity, a lot of patience that she has to have. And then finally, it's her turn to go before the king. She's, a, she's about to go before the king. And I just I think, man, what's going through her mind? What is she thinking here? Is she thinking about the years of waiting? Is she wishing she, she could see her mom and dad? What, uh, is she thinking about the unanswered questions of what if he doesn't choose me? What if I'm not good enough? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Is there a way out of this? Is, is this what my life amounts to? Is, is this really it? And so she goes before the king and the Bible says that the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. 
he was attracted to her. Now, I want, I want to say maybe, maybe it was outward. Maybe it was that she was beautiful. But I like to think that she probably had some qualities about her. That he was like, man, what a, what a woman. Not just she's pretty, but wow, the way she carries herself, her values, her character, the way she cares. Come on, somebody. Right? And so she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. And it says that he set a royal crown on her head and made her the queen instead of Vashti. For him, problem solved. I got a new queen, right? It's, for, for him, it's like, you know, what's the big deal? We, we, we got a new queen. But for her, I mean, this is, this is a, a years of, of waiting patiently for God. What are you trying to do? What are you saying? And I, wanted, I just want to point out to you today, I think she would tell us that no place is out of place when you're in God's place. Like when you feel like you've been waiting for so long, no place is out of place when you're in God's place. Oh, but you don't know my past, Pastor Ben. I've been, I've been uh, arrested for this. I've done this. I've, I mean, I've been an addict. Well, no place is out of place when you're in God's place. He'll, he, won't, he, won't, man, he will use all of that stuff to get you to where he wants you to go. He'll use all the good and all the bad, everything, to work out his plan in your life. And some of you may feel like, man, when am I going to get to God's place? You'll get there. But in the meantime, there's, there's no place that's out of place, right? No place that's out of place when you're in God's will. You're in, and you may feel like, man, I'm, I don't understand it. Trust. Be patient. Develop that perseverance. Psalm uh, says it this way. Psalm 31 says, I trust in you, Lord, that I, I, I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Okay. That's what I think Esther did. She said, God, my time is in your hands. I, I don't know when this is going to work out or if it will ever work out, but I'm trusting you. My times are in your hands. So that's the first thing is we, we need patience. But secondly, if you're going to find your place, you've you got you to know, man, it takes courage. It takes courage to find the place that God has for you. So Esther is the queen now, right? And when you're the queen, all your problems go away, right? Is that the way it works? I mean, I mean when, you're, when you're at the top, you don't have any problems, do you? So she's the queen. All of her problems go away. Not really. They actually, they just get worse, actually. Because, I mean, she's been patient. She has overcome obstacles. She's now the queen. And you would think that life is good. And even if I do face problems, well, I'll just pay somebody to take care of it because I've got everything at my fingertips. But she's about to face something that can cost her her life. She's about to deal with something that could cost her her life. Remember, um, remember Mordecai? Talked about him at the beginning of the story. Mordecai's her cousin. Mordecai worked in the palace in some regard, and, um, and he, he was uh, always looking out for her. They spoke to each other through messengers because they, they, they couldn't be seen by each other all the time or as often as they'd like, and so they sent messengers back and forth to each other. And there was another guy to this story. There's another man in the story. His name's Haman. Haman is the right-hand man to the king. I mean, he's second in charge. He's second in command. But there's a problem. He hates Mordecai. Can't stand Mordecai, Esther's cousin. The reason he hates Mordecai is because Mordecai's a Jew. And, and Haman and Mordecai 
their ancestors are ancient en enemies. They can't stand each other, and, and Mordecai's a Jew, and so therefore, Haman hates all Jews. The other reason why he hates Haman, or he hates Mordecai, is because Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman. And let me say it this way. What Mordecai and all of the other Jews knew is that man is not our authority. God is. God is the final say. And I just want to preach for a moment today. I just felt a little preachy as I was preparing this message. Because I, I, I feel like we're living in a culture that's asking us to bow down to it. We're living in a culture that's saying, you Christians, are a, you're a bunch of Bible-thumping uh, bigots. You don't really care about people. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that's what the culture is saying about us. You need to change the way you live, change the way you act, that you need to get up with the times. And I'm just here to say today, as a person who believes and stands on the Word of God in a culture that may seem like it's going to hell, hey, we don't bow for anything except the, the God who saved us. We bow to Jesus Christ. Our hearts belong to him. And so I think we got to have a little bit of moxie, kind of like we need to have that Mordecai spirit. No, I'm not bowing to you. No, no, no. I, I bow only. I don't bow to the world. I bow to the word. Okay? That's the kind of attitude we've got to have. And Haman hates Mordecai for that. Can't stand him. And so he devises a plan. I'm not just going to kill Mordecai. I want to kill all the Jews. I want to kill all of them, which, by the way, World War II, that's what it was all about. Six million Jews killed so we, could, so, so we could wipe a race off the face of the earth. Come on, somebody. This was happening thousands of years ago. And this is why the, the people of God, oh, I'm, I'm getting way off base. I don't, I'm sorry. It's not in my notes. Maybe if you come first Wednesday, I'll share a little bit about it. Okay. All right. Um, so, so Mordecai is a Jew. Esther's a Jew. Her... her nationality is hidden. The Bible says that she, she keeps it secret. They don't really know that she's a Jew. And so Haman tricks the king into signing a law that would, that would uh, give all of the citizens of the, the, the empire the right to annihilate, kill, and destroy all of the Jews on March 7th of the next year. It gives them plenty of time to plan, to prepare and once they kill them all, they get to take all their property. It then belongs to, to the ones who killed them. That's a pretty wicked scheme, right? And so Esther doesn't even know about it. She's out of the loop. And, and Mordecai hears the news. He goes into a, a time of mourning. Finally, he and Esther start sending some messages back and forth to one another. And he urges Esther. He says, Esther, you've got to speak to the king. You can do something about this. You've got to go to the king. You've got to beg for mercy. But she's afraid. She's the queen, but that doesn't give her the right to go into the king's presence anytime she wants. If the king doesn't hold out the golden scepter, she's toast. This is the way it worked. And so, uh, so, so she's afraid that she'll lose her life if she goes into the king's chamber and so here's what she does. Uh, it says this. It says that Mordecai, he senses this. He knows this about her, that she's afraid. And so he says, hey, don't think that because you're in the king's house that you're going to escape all of this. Don't think that just because you're at the top that they're not going to kill you too. And, and so he says, if you remain silent at this time, God will raise up somebody else. God will bring deliverance for the Jews from another place but you and your father's family will perish. 
He says this, the famous line of all of Esther says, he says, who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. In other words, like maybe God made you the queen for this moment, Esther. Maybe it was for nothing else but to save your people. And so here's what I want you to know today. is that courage isn't the absence of fear. But in your notes, it's, it's what you do in spite of fear. It's, what, it's not running from the flames, it's running to the flames. Hey, it's, it's 56 men signing a declaration of independence saying, we won't bow to your ways anymore. It's, that's what courage is. Courage is doing something that nobody else is doing. It's, it's, it's running to the battle in the midst of the fear instead of running away from the battle. I thought that this would be a good time uh, for a Boudreaux joke because we haven't had a lot of laughs today. Reminded me, this, this reminded me of the time that, that Boudreaux, he cut off the tail of a man-eating lion. Cut, cut the tail off of this lion. He went into town. He said, I got the tail of the lion right here. And Thibodeau said, well, why didn't you cut his head off? He said, because somebody else already did that. It's easy to cut the tail off when somebody else already killed the lion, right? Right? Yeah. He wasn't as brave or as courageous as he thought he was. That's, that's the easy part. So, so stepping into God's place requires courage for us. I love this scripture first. It's Isaiah that says, don't fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We've got to know, we've got to believe that God is with us and he's for us and he's going to help us find the right place. Amen? All right, here's the third thing is that um, finding your right place requires great focus on God. In a situation like this um, where, where you're threatened, your people are threatened, to extinction, right? Like, what do you do? Do you focus on the problem? Do you begin to magnify the problem? Do you begin to magnify what's going on around you? What, what, what do you do in a situation like this? Well, Esther makes up her mind that we're not going to focus on the problem. We're going to focus on God. We're going to turn our attention to God. And this is what she does. It says that Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. said, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Hey, let's not focus on the negativity. Let's not focus on the threats. Let's not focus on what could be or what might happen. Let's take, our, let's take our faith and put it in God. And this is a lesson for all of us to turn our attention on God. She says, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maids will do as you do. We're going to seek the face of God on this issue. We can't do it alone. We can't do it by ourselves. We need the hand of God. So they focus on God. And then number four, if you're finding your right place, it requires great availability. Great availability. And I, I think the idea, what we, need to, what we need to wrestle with today is that at some point, you have to step out in faith towards God. At some point, you have to just make yourself available. You have to say, God... Here I am, I'll do, what you, I'll do what you want me to do, I'll go where you want me to go, and there's a moment that you've got to take a leap. There's a moment that you say, God, nobody else can do this for me. 
you put me here, so I'm, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to press into this moment. And this is what she does. She, she makes herself available, and, and she says, I'll go to the king even though, even though it's against the law. I'm going to go to the king even though he could kill me. If I perish, I perish. But God, I'm making myself available. I know, God, I know what the outcome could be. I, I, the law tells us that, but Lord, I'm, I'm making myself available. And here's the thing. God chooses to work through people are, who are available. God chooses to do his work and to do his will through people who say, yes, God, use me. And this is, the, this is the life of Esther. She's saying, God, here I am. Use me. I'm available. And if it costs me my life, so be it. But, um, I think, you know, maybe this is an area for growth for some of us today. That maybe some of you are no closer to your purpose in life today than you were two or three years ago. And you're going, well, God, what's the problem? What's the holdup? But why, why, am I not seeing, why am I not seeing you move in my life? Why, it's because you're paralyzed with fear. You're, you're paralyzed with fear thinking about how can God use somebody like me? I've got a past. I've done too much. God, God's through with me. I'm damaged goods. And God would say, no, 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 no. No, you're not. You're just the person for the job. You're just the one that I ordained for this moment. Come on, somebody. Like, how can God use me? I'm just a nobody. I'm, I'm just an obscure little girl, a, a Jewish girl living in a culture that, that, that is so far away from my culture. And God can't use somebody like me. Yes, he can. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the education. I don't have the background. I don't have the knowledge. Nobody's going to listen to me. We can make up all the excuses in the world. But at some point, we got to say, God, I'm available. I don't have all the answers. I don't know the end from the beginning. But, Lord, I know your leadership is perfect. And I know you will lead me and you will guide me even when I'm uncertain. And So here's what I would want you to know is that God's not asking you to go from here to here today. God's not asking you to go from where you are right now to fulfilling your purpose in one day. What he wants for you is that you would go from here to here then to hear and to keep growing and to keep maturing. And little by little, you're working your way into exactly what he wants for your life. And eventually, you will fulfill your purpose in life. It may not happen in a day, but more than likely, you will fulfill your purpose over time. That's where the patience comes in, everybody. That's where the patience comes in. And this is where Esther is. She's, she's one day at a time fulfilling the purpose that God has for her life. And she came to grips with this one thought, and that is that God put her exactly where he wanted her for that moment in history. Do you have faith to believe that today, church? That you are where you are right now for this moment in history. Well, if God would have just put me somewhere else at some other time. No, no, no. You're here now. He puts you here and now for this moment in history. And no matter how you ended up where you are today, I want you to hear from my voice that he's not finished with you yet. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've been. I don't care who you are, where you're from, 
what you did. Come on. No, he doesn't care about that. As long as you love me, baby. He has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for you. No matter where you've been, what you've gone through, he has a purpose for your life. What he's looking for is someone who would say, here I am. I'm available. God, use me. I don't have all the answers. I don't even think I have all the tools in my toolbox, God. I'm, I'm, one, I'm one fry short of a Happy Meal. Come on, somebody. But I, if you'll just use me, God, I'll, I'm available. I'll do it. I'll go where you lead me. And so she sells out to that, to, to being available. And here's the rest of the story. She goes before the king, and he holds out the gold scepter to her. He says, hey, Esther, come on in. Um, what, what do you want? What can I give you? I'll give you anything you want, up to half the kingdom. And she says, hey, honey. Uh. See, see, they only talk to each other like when, when they didn't talk like we do in our houses today where there might be um, some real fun conversations in our homes and uh, you know, maybe arguments sometimes. They didn't really talk like that. It was like they didn't talk to each other unless he called for her, right? And so she comes in and she says, hey, uh, I was just wondering, would you like to come to a banquet at my house today with Haman? Bring Haman. And, and so he's like, absolutely, we'll come. And so he gets to the banquet and Haman's there. Remember, Haman wants to kill all the Jews, including her. And, and so she's, the, the king says, well, what do you want, sweetie? I'll, I'll give you anything, up to half the kingdom. And she says, well, what I really want is to spend time with you, honey. I just want to be with you. So if you'll come back to another banquet tomorrow, then I'll tell you what's on my mind. I'll tell you what's on my heart. And so they leave that banquet the, that day. And ha Haman goes, and he starts telling all of his friends and family, puffs his chest out. He's like, Y'all don't even know, man. Y'all ought, ought to see where I'm at right now. Man, look at my life. He's, he's puffed up with pride. He's arrogant. He's like, man, I've been hanging out with the king and the queen. Y'all don't even know. Man, y'all wish y'all were like me. That's what he's doing. He's telling all of his friends how important and how great he is. And then the next day, they go to the banquet. And the king says, okay, Esther, what do you want? What's your request? What can I do for you? And Esther says... If I found favor with you, king, if you love me and it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that you would spare my life, that my life and the lives of my people would be spared. And, and I, I think the king's probably going, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean spare your lives? Remember, because Haman tricked him. And he said, what are you talking about? He says, uh, there's... There's nobody trying to come after you, right? And, and so she says, For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. And he says, he kind of starts raging here. He says, hey, who, who would do such a thing? Who would be so presumptuous as to lay a hand on you? Who would do something like that? And she goes, him. <laughs> come on, y'all got to, man, Esther, <laughs> Esther. To save the day. She says, this wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. And Haman grew, grew pale with fright. I mean, he, he does, like he, it's over. 
It's over, and I'm not going to spoil the rest of the story. I would love for you to go read it. Take 30, 45 minutes to go read the story today. And, and, and it blows your minds. I'm leaving out so many details to this story. But here's what happens. At the end of it all, the king, he can't reverse his first edict that, that said all the Jews are allowed to be killed. He, he can't do anything about that. But what he does is he allows them to write a new edict that says the Jews can defend themselves on March the 7th of the next year. And you go read the rest of the story, and Esther saved the day. Why? Because she was patient. Because she, she had courage to approach the king. Because she focused on God. Because she was available. And I think if Esther was here today, if she could say anything else before she went back into the stands, I think she would say, you have to know, you have to believe, and you have to trust that your availability gives God an opportunity to do a miracle through you. Oh, you've got to believe that, church. That just being available gives God an opportunity to move in your life. It gives Him an opportunity to do things that you never thought you could do. And let me say it this way. God will use you in ways. He will take you to places. He will give you influence in ways that you never thought possible if you will make yourself available to Him starts with that and I think if Esther was here I think she would maybe talk to you for a moment she would find out your situation she would hear what you're going through and and maybe the excuses you've been coming up with why why you can't do it right now and she would say if not you then who who's gonna do it if you don't step into this today if you don't step into the place that God has for you today who's gonna do it and as she talks to you and you you maybe maybe you come up with an excuse that well well I, I just can't do it now. One of these days, one of these days, I'm really going to step into my purpose. One of these days, I'm really going to find what God wants me to do. And she would say, if not now, when? And as she talks to you, and maybe you start, you start coming up with the excuse that I can, not here, not now. Wichita Falls is just a stopping point for me. I'm just passing through. I don't, I don't really don't want to get involved. I don't really don't want, to, I don't want to do too much right now. I really don't want to put myself out there here. I'm just going to wait until I get to my next stop. I think she would say, well, if not here, where? Because if you won't step into it now, what makes you think you'll step into it in the future? I do it now. Now. Today's the day. Today's the day. Don't wait. Don't wait because God, God may just raise somebody else up, like Mordecai said. Today's the day. He wants you to just make yourself available. What does that look like? Making yourself available is saying, God, here I am. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'm yours. I'm yours. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? I felt in my spirit as I was preparing this morning that this, maybe there's some of you today who you're battling with uh, this availability, like that, that you're closed off. You've kind of closed, you've closed up shop to God. You're, you're a Christian. You believe in Jesus, but the reality of it is that you've kind of, you've distanced yourself and you've, you've stopped believing that God really has a place for you. Maybe, maybe you've even put up a wall. And you've said, I, I, I don't want to, I, I, 
I don't want to go too far. I don't want to do too much. Maybe, maybe you've been running, doing things your way. And what you're hearing in this moment is God saying, I'm just looking for someone who's available. You're thinking about people in your life who need freedom and need victory. They need salvation. You're thinking about people in your family who, if they just had what you had, if they had a relationship with God, everything would change for them. And, and you've been praying for God to send someone. Maybe God's saying, I, I want to send you. But you haven't been available. Whatever it is, whatever the availability is for you today, if you would say today, Pastor Ben, I, I want to I break that. I want to break that mold. I want to make myself available for whatever God wants to do in my life today. If that's you, just slip up your hand today. Let me pray for you. I want to make myself available. God, whatever you want to do, however you want to use me, wherever you want to lead me, I will go. I will do it. I'm yours. I'm your person. I'm your man or your woman for the job. I thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. With your hands up, let me just pray for you today. Father, I pray for every person who's just saying, Lord, today I'm available making myself available for you. I want to go where you send me. I want to do what you've called me to do. Lord, I want to step into the place that you have for me. Lord, no more excuses, no more reasons why. Lord, give me that Esther kind of spirit that would say, even though the world around me is going crazy, even though everything's falling apart, God, I am available. I'll pay the price to serve you, to, to be your vessel. Use me for your kingdom today, Lord. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. With your hands down, if you're here and you'd say, Ben, um, I'm far from God. I don't, I don't even have a relationship with God. Like the, the, the first thing that you need to do, the most important way that you can make yourself available to God today is to say, God, would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Would you speak to my heart? Would you speak? Would you change my life? Would you, would you lead me? Would you be my savior? Would you direct my steps? Would you guide me? Would you be my Lord? And if you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're far from God, maybe, maybe you've drifted, I want to give you an opportunity to, to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. And if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. Just, just let me know. Let me pray for you today. If that's you, one, two, three. I'm ready to go all in today with Jesus. I'm ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, to give him complete control. I, I want him to lead me and guide me. Anybody at all? All right. Come on, let's say this prayer today. Say, Jesus, I surrender. My life is yours. From start to finish. I belong to you. Will you forgive me for doing things my way? Cleanse me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start so that I can live for you. And from this day forward, I will serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen.